This is KMTT. The week begins this uh, winter, Tavshin Ein, with a shiur by Harav Benjamin Tavori, a series, weekly series, on uh, modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic. Harav Benjamin Tavori. Generally, this year, when I discussed one of the poskim and his svarim about Shelot Tshuvot, I devoted one shiur to each person. I made an exception in the case of Rav Moshe Feinstein, where we had three shiurim about uh, Rav Moshe and his Igros Moshe. Today I'm going to again break from the uh, normal custom and give a second shiur about the Tzitz Eliezer and the author, the Mechaber Harav Waldenberg. Part of the reason that I did it today is to show the difference in the tshuvas that were written be- around the time of Hakamat Hamdina and the tshuvas that were written much later. Very often they reflect issues uh, that occurred later within the context of Medinat Yisrael. The first question that I would like to discuss is the issue of going into churches and to mosques. The issue is not only to go into them, the question is, would you be allowed actually to daven in a mosque or a church? Now, you might ask that this is a question that has occurred for many, many years, and it's not necessarily a, a new issue after HaKamat Hamdina or after Milchemet Sheshit But obviously, because of the situation in Eretz Yisrael today, where uh, people do want to visit mosques, and specifically the question could be raised about Ma'arat HaMachpelah. Now, it could be that part of Ma'arat HaMachpelah is used as a mosque, and therefore the question might even be raised as to the uh, halachic approach to davening in Ma'arat HaMachpelah, or at least in the places, if there are such places, which are designated as mosques. One of the first times that I ever davened Marat HaMachpelah, I must tell you that I felt a little bit uncomfortable when I left. One of the people mentioned to me that actually the Tzitz Eliezer raised this issue. I didn't find a, the issue in Tzitz Eliezer relating specifically to Marat HaMachpelah, but he does have a question about the attitude toward mosques and churches in general. And that shuva is found in Chelek Yudalit, of uh, Tzitz Eliezer, Tshuva number Tzadi Aleph. The Tshuva was actually written to Rav Shmuel Katz, who has written about halachic issues in Tiyulim today, has written about the laws of Tzniyus today, and he asked Rav Altenberg for his opinion. The question was predicated upon the assumption that many, many people think that there is a major distinction between churches and mosques, but Rav Shlomo Menahar, a famous posek who lived in uh, one time in the old city, was one of the people that was uh, in there in the old city when Yerushalayim, in Yerushalayim Yerushalayim within this within the old city at the time that the uh, they were taken into captivity, uh, he became then a rav of Bait Vegan and is well known as a, a, an important posek. He passed away a few years ago. 
And Rav Shmuel Katz quoted Rav Shlomo Menahar as saying in the name of Rav Aldenberg that any religion has the law of a, or the, the, specifically the religious home of any religion has the din of a house of Avodah And that, for that would be true, a mosque also would have the law. Is that true? And what's the source for it? Rav Waldenberg wrote back and of course quoted the famous Gemaras and discussions in the Rambam that Christianity has basically been declared as Avodah and therefore, as far as churches or minzarim, the question really wasn't uh, that serious a question in, fa- in the fact that there's not much room for maneuvering. It's certainly Usr Medina to go into any church or to even to go into uh, the adjacent areas of the church it w- was forbidden. But that is not the issue that really interested me in this issue, this case the most. The question would be, what would be about a church? Uh, not a church, I'm sorry, about a, at a, about a mosque. And uh, Rav Waldenberg said, yes, indeed, what Rav Shlomo Menahar quoted his name is indeed how he paskened. And he quoted, he used his source as a famous ran in Sanhedrin Dav Samachalif. I won't quote all the ran verbatim or even by translation, but I would rather uh, quote parts of it and those people that are interested can look up the Iran itself and uh, as I said, it's the Iran in Sanhedrin of Samachalafamud base. The Iran said, we see from here the any sacred place of non-Jews, even though they do not make them into gods itself, but since they bowed down to God, it has the law of Avodah for everything. So this is considered Avodah And the Rav, Rav Waldenberg Paskin like this chuva of the, uh, like this statement of the Ran. And then he said, Lefize, it's obvious that all masks have the din of Avodah You're not allowed to walk into the mosque at all. Does this refer to the situation in Ma'rat HaMachpelah? Well, in order to answer that question, I would really have to study the issue, what is the situation, what's the physical situation, what's the halachic situation of Ma'rat HaMachpelah itself? But the issue, as I mentioned, was discussing the theory of a Mizgad, not referring specifically there may be another tshuva, but I did not find it using the indices of, of Tzitz Eliezer, if there was a tshuva relating specifically to Marat HaMachpelah. If anyone does know of such a tshuva, I'd appreciate very much if he would refer me to the proper source. This tshuva was refuted and discussed by Rav Ovadi Yosef. In his Svarim called Yabia Omer in Chelik Yeredea Simon Yud Beis, he discusses the following question, which is more of a modern type of question, where the Israeli ambassadors who live in Chutz, who are on, on jobs, uh, they're serving in embassies in Chutzlaretz, and there very often there is an important uh, ceremony that takes place in a church or takes place in a mosque, and many important officials come there. Are they allowed to go 
to the, such a place because of the possible, the halachic term would be eva, and it would mean some sort of a hatred that created between the non-Jews and the Jews, and it would apply in, not only personally to the ambassadors, but also to the state of Israel. Now, the Rav Vavadia discusses uh, the question of churches, and again, that's not the point that interests me today. Generally, everybody, almost everybody, accepted that a church was Avodazara, and Rav Vavadia feels that even Eva cannot allow a person to enter a church. However, Rav Vavadia said in the issue of mosques, one has to first determine whether the Ishmaelim or Islam is considered Avodazara. And then he quotes his, his want, he quotes many, many chuvas about this. And he quotes, of course, the Rambam, who says that clearly that Islam is not Avodazara. The Ravavadya Paskind, according to the Rambam, that the mosques do not have din of Avodazara. And then he says that even the Ran, who did say that any religion which is non-Jewish is considered at least their homes where they service, where they serve their whatever it is, that is considered Avadazara. The, the Ravavadya said if the Ran had known of the truth of the Rambam, he probably would not have said what he had said. The Rambam obviously, according to the way Ravavadya learns, Rambam obviously was more aware of the situation than the Ran. The Rambam knew everything. Kol Raz Lo Anisle. In we know that in a mosque of Arabs, of Islam, where there is no Avadazara, they pray to one God, there's no Easter at all to daven there. And then Rav Avadya adds specifically, we have seen that many Gaonim and Sadikim would go into Maratha Machpelah to pray. So Rav Avadya did say that Maratha Machpelah, perhaps physically part of it at least may be considered a mosque. Nevertheless, you're allowed to daven in such a place. And in fact, he adds, today there is an, a fixed Bet Knesset in Marat Machpelah for our breath brothers who live in Hebron and Kiyat Arba. However, he mentions the tshuva of Rav Waldenberg, and with deep respect, he begs to differ with Rav Waldenberg, and he says, we Paskin like the Rambam, that it does not have a din of Avodah he also quotes a tshuva of Rabbi Now that's obviously a much earlier tshuva before the uh, po- political implications of uh, going to mosques and churches was uh, important within the context of the state of Israel. But the Rav Yitzchel Hanan said, even in a place where the army, so- Jewish soldiers in the army needed a place to daven, and the only place that was available to them to daven was a mosque, the, he said that you're allowed to daven there according to the Rambam who paskin that you, that Islam is not a Vodazara, according to the Ramah, it's certainly permitted to daven there. 
So it's interesting to note how even the issue of davening at Marata Machpelah could be raised as a halachic issue. I think Klai Yisrael, as a rule, Paskins like Rav Ovadia, that it's certainly permitted to daven in Marat HaMachpelah. Another question that was asked, and also seems very, very unusual, was if you're allowed to daven at the Kotel Ma'ravi. And what was the issue here? So, the question that was raised was, isn't it a an area which is considered an open area, a makom parutz, or like a bik'ah? And the Shulchan Aruch says that you really should not have it in a place which is open, a place which is not mukaf mechitzot. This question appears in Simen Yudchet of the Tzitz Eliezer, and it actually is not a question that was addressed addressed to him, but it was a response to a sefer written by Harav Zalman Druk. Rav Zalman Druk mailed, sent his sefer to Rav Waldenberg, who wrote him Haskama, but he meant he wrote in this tshuva a number of comments about the sefer. In the in the sefer of Rav Druk, he raised the question that. Davening in Maratha Machpela, in, uh, by the Kotel, might have the din of Abika, and the Gemara says in Brachis, that it seems a, a type of chutzpah to daven in a Bik'ah. And the Shulchan Aruch quotes it in Simon Sadi. Rav Druk himself permitted it, obviously, and he said in a place where a person is, considers the place as a very holy area, then and a person will daven with utmost kavana there, it certainly would be permitted. Rav Waldenberg adds a number of points to this discussion. One, he questions whether the fact itself is true. Is the Kotel considered a place which is mukaf mechitzot or not? On one hand, we those people that have, have had the privilege of davening at the Kotel certainly know the physical area, the kotel in front of you, on your left, there is a, uh, a really a kotel, which uh, you can enter through the Maravia to go to the area which is covered, uh, opposite Kodesh Kodashim. On the right-hand side, as you face the kotel, there's the Mechitza. Uh, uh, um, uh, on the in back of you, there's also Mechitza, which is Asarat Fahim. So, this very well might not be considered a bika at all. The fact that it's not roofed, it has no roof, so that, Rev. Waldenberg quotes sources, that the uh, Shari Tshuva quotes that even, as long as it's mukaf mechitzot, as long as there are walls, even if it has no roof, you're certainly allowed to daven there. He also adds that even the section that's further back, that is more problematic in terms of being mukaf mechitzot, he thinks that's also considered mukaf, and he said he doesn't think there's a problem at all to daven there. And then Rav Waldenberg, who had 
davened at the Kotel before 1948, mentions that in the time of the of the British, they used to daven in front of the Kotel, even though people went by with their donkeys. Nobody ever thought that this was a problem to daven. More reasons to allow davening at the Kotel were mentioned that the Isur might only apply to an individual. But a group of people, especially if there's a minion, might have the din of being permitted to daven in a, in a bika in the first place. The uh, question that we mentioned, the Gemara and Brachis, used the phrase of chutzpah. And Rav Waldenberg quotes that if the problem is chutzpah, when there's a minion, it's certainly not to be considered chutzpah. And one could add, of course, that to daven at the kota, where your purpose is to feel that you feel the presence a person somehow feels the presence of the Shekhinah greater, so perhaps that would not be considered chutzpah at all. He also adds that the Rechavai itself might have the din of Kedushas Beis HaKnesses. It's not just a Rechava. It is actually considered a Bet Knesset. It has the Kedusha Bet Knesset. He quotes that from a tshuva of the Sefer Mishkanot Lavir Yaakov. In such a case, he would say, then there's no problem davening, even b'yachid. Of course, it, it seems almost strange that someone should raise the issue of davening at the Kotel Maravi when we when we hope uh, it's such a great hope to for, throughout the ages that we dreamt that someday we would be able to daven by the Kotel Maravi. Nevertheless, it's interesting to see how, how it was discussed within halachic terminology, halachic sources, to determine that it is indeed uh, permissible to daven at, at, at uh, Kota Maravi, and as we've seen earlier, uh, to daven in Maratha Machpelah. Another question that came up within the context of the State of Israel was using the money of the State of Israel. Now, of course... I'm not discussing the problem of uh, of the political issue of using money which perhaps certain Haredi groups have raised, but I'm talking about a different problem. In the index of Tzitz Eliezer, volume 16, the question was seems to be uh, the coins or the co- coins or the bills that of a thousand shekel that were printed with a picture of the Rambam and sections of the, of the Halacha, do you have to deal with them as Kitve Kodesh? Can you take them into the bathroom? Now, when you read the question, you first of all want to understand a little bit better, what do you mean Ktav Mehil Chotav? So in the, in the book itself, in Simon Lamed Aleph, a little bit more is elaborated. The question was about the section of the Ramam that was printed from Hilchos Malva Velove about Shtaros. There is a, a, a some sort of a page of the Rambam. Not only is the picture of the Rambam there, but the page of Halacha is there. Now, obviously, the picture of the Rambam wouldn't seem to bother me. But the fact that there is Halacha, there are Halachas of Mishnah Torah 
and on a bill that you take into the bathroom you use as mundane, could could indeed they be taken into the bathroom? But then the question raises even another issue. Perhaps you should not give them to a to a person who would not be observant of proper respect for these bills. And then if I would give him those bills, it would be lifnaiver. Of course, for many practical purposes, this would uh, stop commerce if you can't trade in the local currency. The tshuva of Rav Waldenberg is that, of course, it's permitted. And he gives a number of reasons for explaining why it's permitted. One of them is the bill was not printed with the idea of learning. It was not printed as Kitzvei HaKodesh. Rather, it was printed to make the bill a nice bill, an aesthetic bill. So, and then he quotes sources that when something was written not for the purpose of Kedusha, not for the purpose of learning, it does not have Kedusha. And he quotes a famous tshuva of the Nitziv about printing. When a person set up the characters of a uh, the old type of print, the Nitziv said that, the, that those characters were not made to study from and therefore there was no problem of uh, taking them apart or destroying them, etc. He also argued that, Rev. Waldenberg, that these bills are printed by printing presses and not by a man. Koach Acher. And he quotes the Chazon Ish that perhaps was Machmir in the case of the a printing press that was described by the Nitziv, but he said if they are printed by Kawach Acher, not by a person, so he calls this not printing by a person, and then it does not have Kedusha. So based on that Chazon Ish, Rav Waldenberg said another reason there exists to be making. But one of the more interesting issues that mentioned here, what about the fact that you can't read it? Because you need a magnifying glass to read it. This question is an interesting question for the entire world of Jewish law. What is considered halachic, halachically true? Something that you can see with your naked eye or things that it can only be used that only can only be seen with microscopes or special um, instruments, would that be necessary to take into halachic ca- categories? And of course, this question applies to many, many issues, and there are, there's much discussion in the world of uh, responsa about this particular question. Here, first of all, Rav Valdemir points out, you have to really determine, could you read it or not? I don't have in front of me uh, such a bill so that I could see myself if I can read it with or without uh, reading glasses. But assuming that you can't read it, so that's another reason to permit using these bills. And he quotes a tshuva of the Evan Yakara, one of the amazing uh, points of Rav Aldenberg is the wide the he has in so many Shelot and Shuvot, and 
I'm sorry to say that many of these Svarim I really have never been heard of. The Tshuvat Evan Yekara is a Sefer that I'm not familiar with. So he he quotes from that Tshuva that a Tanakh that was made, that was printed, but with very small letters that cannot be read, read it is permitted to take them into the washrooms. Here, he said, it could be that it could be written, so it could be read that you have to determine. However, the bottom line is, of course, that Rav Waldenberg permitted the use of these uh, bills. He also allowed them to be taken into the washroom. And he added another reason that that generally people keep their money in the billfolds, which is in in their trousers, or in in a wallet, which is in a purse. In such a case, a kis betoch kis would be permitted to take into the washroom, even if there were kedusha. However, it's interesting to note that Rav Waldenberg adds with one uh, more, rather plaintive statement. Lechatchila, they should not have printed such bills. I assume, says Rav Waldenberg, they did not consult Gedolei Torah about this. What was amazing to Rav Waldenberg and a little shocking was that some of the people that signed on these bills, I assume they were ministers of the State of Israel, who were religious Jews, Rav Waldenberg felt that they should have known better and not allowed these bills to be printed, but assuming the fact is true that these are these are the bills that be used, so Rav Waldenberg says there is no problem at all using those bills. One of the uh, issues that I would like to relate to uh, today, the last question that we have time to discuss, is a medical issue. It's, it would really be difficult to go through a shiur discussing Rav Waldenberg and not mention at all uh, the amount of work he did in specific medical issues. This question was asked in Tavshin Mem Gimel if a person should be required or even permitted to donate blood or platelets of blood to save a Cholesh Yesh Basakana. Now, of course, the assumption is the Cholesh, there exists at the present time a Cholesh. And this Cholesh Yesh Basakana. So, to give blood or to give platelets, is it required or is it permissible? Rav Waldenberg, of course, has to deal with the issue. How much blood is taken out of a person to render him uh, into the situation where he is a chole? Rav Rav Waldenberg explained that, according to him, the shiur is revit dam. A revit dam, if more than a revit dam is taken from him, he is considered a chole, and he feels that no one could obligate a person to give more than a revi'it dam, even for the purpose of pikuach nefesh. Of course, there is exists a famous question whether a person is allowed to put himself, not required by law, but allowed to, to put himself in safek sakana to save someone else. So here, he said, 
a person would be allowed to do it, and if he feels that he could uh, handle this and not put himself in the danger, he should do it. It would be considered a midat chasidut. A person would, would be very, very mushar uh, if he could do such a thing. But he would not be required to give more than a Reviyadam, even in a Choleh Shiyesh Basakana. Then he goes on to discuss the situation of platelets. Now, I assume that many of these medical issues would de- be determined by the understanding of medicine at that time. And the Rabbanim who pass in the questions obviously have to get the best medical information they can get and Paskin according to that medical information. Remember, this tshuva was written almost 40 years ago, so the situation today might be completely different. At that time, Rav Waldenberg was informed, and don't forget, he was the Rav of Shari Tzedek, and he was very much involved with the doctors of Shari Tzedek. So the information that he re- he received at that time was that it was <coughs> considered alpidin, halachically dangerous to give platelets. He, apparently, the way he understood the situation is they take out a person's blood, but the doctors are convinced that they can restore that blood and restore him to perfect health. But Rav Aldenberg assumed that since they're taking out all his blood, or at least that's the way it seems from the tshuva, he is definitely not allowed to do that, and he felt that he should not give platelets dumb, blood, platelets, because of the danger involved. Today, unless I misunderstood this tshuva, the, the description of what happened has changed tremendously. I looked up in to see the situation today of giving pla- not only blood, but platelets of, of blood. And I looked on the internet, and uh, for example, Sloan Kettering uh, explained that there's no danger at all. And in light of their explanation of how to give platelets of, of blood, uh, the postkim in, in, in the United States, who understood today's situation, certainly allowed giving platelets of, of blood. They felt the sakana was not as great as it seems to be described in the Tzitz Eliezer 40 years ago. Of course, this issue was was raised when there is a Cholesh Yeshba Sakana Lefaneinu. Today, it could be because of modern transportation and modern technology, modern uh, uh, Tikshoret, the, uh, everybody knows all the time what's going on and blood can be sent all over. Maybe today the situation is always considered that there's a cholesh yesh basakana someplace that they could use this blood. Assuming that would not be true, then a person could ask this question about giving blood or blood platelets, would that apply to blood banks when there is no cholesh yesh basakana in front of me at all? If, if I'm not mistaken, I really could and should have checked on it, but I think many, many years ago, there was a blood drive in Yeshiva University, 
And Rav Lichensing was asked this question. And he said, it's a question that's worth discussing, but you'll have to wait for a while. First, I want to go give blood. When I come back, we'll raise the issue. So it seems that everybody understands that today, for what all reasons, blood certainly can be given, blood platelets can be donated, and perhaps in certain cases we would require a person to do so when absolutely necessary.